Hello, and welcome to Simplify Complexity, the podcast. I'm Matt Armstrong-Barnes, Chief Technologist for Artificial Intelligence at Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, and I'm going to be your host over the next three episodes of this podcast. I'm going to be chatting to Ian Henderson, a fellow Chief Technologist of mine at HPE, Howard Hall, CEO of DTP, and Dave Jones, Director of Digital Ways of Working, Chair of the UK IT Leaders Group and former CIO of a large manufacturing group. What we're going to unpack over these next three episodes is how IT, specifically AI, can simplify the growing complexity of business. I have three experts with me today and I'm going to ask them a series of scene-setting questions. So starting with you, Howard, can we get a boardroom perspective of how AI can transform really at a business level. Yes, yeah, certainly, uh, Matt. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, AI has been around for quite some time, basically, and uh, it's only, I guess, in, in in recent years where it's become, you know, really important and of interest to the boardroom. Really. Uh, if we look traditionally, AI has been used to automate mundane, risky, or difficult tasks where machine can do that a lot easier and and more accurately than we can as humans and more efficiently it needs one machine as opposed to a number of humans for example monitoring a, a big board of, uh, of monitors for a security perspective so ai powered quality control uh, could be trained to spot anomalies uh, that might slip past you know one of those tired or bored employee stroke operators it also makes sense of our world, you know, given the right clean data uh, across a number of types of data, i.e. whether it's traditional data or unstructured data. With the right algorithm, we can find out just about anything in terms of any aspect of life, uh, business life, that is, or, or, or our normal lives. Uh, for example, you know, marketeers seeing today, you know, it's, it's been in the news for, for, for some years now and gain real insights into purchasing trends and anticipate supply and demand. The example being the one that was uh, was 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 heavily in the news was uh, was Cambridge Analytica uh, monitoring Facebook feeds and actually looking at uh, photographs and seeing what brand we had on our T-shirts. So AI has been around for a long time, but it, but it, in terms of uh, other uses, it can help with creativity and designing new products and the list of use cases is growing daily. So hence why the boardroom is a lot more interested now than it ever has been. Thanks, Howard. I mean, over the past 18 months, I've personally seen the board level view of AI change from why are we doing an AI project to why are we not using AI? I mean, is this something you're seeing as well, Dave? Absolutely, Matt. I think the board level view of IT and tech's changed significantly in many organisations, and that's just in the last 12 months. And I think this has largely been driven by COVID. And, and the board's realisation that the entire organisation is dependent on IT and technology and they need it to survive and thrive. I think this has been a real enabler and has allowed IT directors, CIOs, CTOs to go and talk to the boards about topics such as AI. AI is a really exciting field, um, nowhere more so than business. 
You talk about deep learning, how it can give us insights that we never had before. And these include customer behavior, business efficiency, logistics, time to market. These are just a few areas where organizations can gain real competitive advantage with the right deployment. And I think boards in general are starting to realize that they need tech savvy advisors on their board. And it hasn't always been the case. Thanks, Dave. I mean, I mean, it's really interesting to kind of get the, the business view and, you know, why we're seeing some of these these interesting technologies and how we're seeing them be accelerated. Ian, as the only technologist in the room, um, what, what kind of use cases are you seeing adopting this type of technology? Thanks, Matt. So I mean, that's a short question, but it could be a very long answer. But let me share a few examples um, about how I'm seeing Different businesses use AI, you know, many different types of AI for different types of business. One of the first areas it's been applied, for example, in security. So intrusion detection, fraud detection, looking at behavior patterns, facial recognition, those sorts of things. Um, In manufacturing, there are many use cases that can be implemented either standalone or more deeply integrated into the way that we operate. So, you know, a simple example would be video analytics for quality assurance. So we've seen growing adoption of that, and it's relatively simple to build as a solution. Um, Predictive maintenance is another where we're reducing planned maintenance costs and unplanned downtime. Or getting more extreme and building a complete digital twin of a process or complex production line and being able to simulate the changes and automate those. Um, We're also looking at applying AI to supply chain and to reduce cost and risk in our own business. And in manufacturing, you know, the ultimate goal would be to apply AI to the complete manufacturing process so that we can automatically optimize production to increase yield and move to an autonomous production process that self uh, self learns and heals. Um, and another area we're seeing increasing interest is applying AI to a connected product. Um, more and more products are connected to some of some more greater or lesser extent, and data is sent back on how that's being used. And technology can be even updated in the field. You know, a great example is you know Tesla, where software updates can enable new functionality, and that was unheard of um, in in the automotive industry previously. So taking all of that data, applying machine learning can be build a very different, more proactive relationship with the end customer, reducing downtime, reducing maintenance costs, and using that data as well to feed into the development of future products. If we look across more broadly across industry and how we can use it, things like customer service tasks, you know, um, most common is interact, self-interactive voice recognition systems, you know, bots that you talk to, whether you like them or not, uh, when you call for, for service to reduce that cost. Um, and in healthcare, you know, huge opportunity within healthcare for things like image and analytics, sorry, um, looking at case histories, genomic modeling, these sorts of things. So, you know, many, many different use cases. So I think the important thing is to take a look at the art of the possible and then pick something that has a specific business outcome for your business as a first project and build it from there. So the approach we like to take is to take a series of sprints, each sharing and advancing functionality and building a strong business case for each step of the investment. Thanks, Ian. I mean, from my viewpoint, it's all about having the right tool for the job because AI is a tool and it really does need to be in every organization's toolkit in order for organizations to really sort of start accelerating on the journey. And because AI is such a transformative technology, I don't know, Howard, have you got a viewpoint as to why everybody just isn't doing it? I think building on the point you just made, it's that 
tools, isn't it? Uh, you know, historically, the tools weren't that good, and and also the tools are probably geared around more structured data as opposed to unstructured data. But in reality, it comes back to the basics on confusion of what AI actually is, lack of understanding of how it can help. And as we said previously, AI is not new. It's been around for a while. Yeah, I mean, that is a really good point. I mean, the term artificial intelligence was coined in the 1950s. So the mathematics that underpins how AI works has been around for a long period of time. It's been heavily refined by academia. And there was a major breakthrough in 2012, you know, coming up for nearly 10 years ago, that really drove AI adoption pretty much into the mainstream. I mean, once again, Howard, what's your view on the business challenges coming around AI adoption? Yeah, it's, it's some key things really to focus on and, and it's what you probably expect really. It's uh, don't try and go it alone on, on a big project, start small and, and grow. Um, don't rush in, you know, planning is the key. You know, if I fail to plan, I plan to fail. There's a saying that I've sort of taken with me through most of my business life and with that create a real strategic approach and manage expectations. AI is definitely not a silver bullet. Yeah, definitely. I I do see lots of customers and they've got this big hammer with the word artificial intelligence on it and they're looking for nails. So it is all comes back to that. What's the most appropriate uh, technology or technique to tackle some of those key business problems? I mean, talk, talk, talk about some of the business side. Uh, Dave, I'd, I'd get interested to get your view around some of the delivery challenges. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think, first of all, the... <laughs> When you're talking about delivery challenges, they're going to be different in every organisation. Um, we've already mentioned there's many applicable use cases in manufacturing, but there's also confusion as to AI and a lack of understanding how it can help. So it's it's more important than ever now that you've got people in your organisation who, who can understand the potential and where the use cases are and that they can work with the appropriate partners to find the right solutions. Um, and the ones that are going to offer your particular organization that competitive advantage. So I think general principles, get your governance model right and work out how to qualify and prioritize the potential opportunities. Um, And to do that, I'd probably propose forming a guiding coalition, get a cross-functional group of experts together just to determine what opportunities offer most business benefits in, in each organization. That, that sounds pretty obvious, but keep to a manageable list that you can really deliver business outcomes. I often see clients that are working on too many projects and they just get diluted and don't deliver. Um, so just because you can do, you shouldn't always do, just get the ones that are going to offer you the most benefits. But general principles, uh, be very wary of privacy, um, security when doing data mining and make sure that you've got those covered and think about ethics and ethics don't only apply to people um value in manufacturing plant is not biased so it's fact so yeah just be careful what you're looking at and how, how you're using that data yeah i must be i speak to lots of customers i've sort of distilled some of the key challenges that they face governance when it comes to ai projects is is critical too much governance and you're just going to kill innovation anyway too little governance and you'll turn a lot of your AI initiatives just into really interesting science projects. Uh, And one of the other ones that I I find from the immortal field of dreams, build it and they will come. They won't. So so I think we've talked a little bit about the business, uh, some of the challenges they face, some of the ones around uh, delivery. 
Ian, always interested to get your view in terms of some of the technology challenges that live in this space. Yeah, so there are several ways of approaching the infrastructure. You know, that might depend on the, the, the latency that's acceptable for the use case or the sheer size of the data you might have involved in training the initial model can be quite a challenge. Um, so you may be able to run it on cloud or it may be better in the data center. Um, and a number of use cases that we're seeing in manufacturing actually need the inference to be run you know, right at the edge in the factory. Um, and that's typically true for things like the video analytics that I mentioned for QA, where we've got uh, large amounts of data that are being generated and to, to get the response times that we need for a production process, we need to be process, processing that quite close to where it's generated. Um, I think it also depends on what historical data you've got. Um, so, you know, you may be able to train an initial model, you know, based on historical data. So the more data that you've got available, the better that model is going to be. And the sooner you can get to, to getting a valuable uh, output. Um, second thing really is the skills issue, right? Uh, Maybe, you know, some of these solutions are available as an off-the-shelf thing for certain use cases from, from a number of different partners. Um, but, you know, often you're going to have to start with a base model and train it. So outsourcing and finding a partner that can help with that is the best approach, even for a large organization, because there are so many specializations in AI um, that, you know, there may well be off-the-shelf or specialist partners looking at the use cases that you want to start with. Yeah, there's a great phrase that I use quite a lot, which is, if you want to go, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. Uh, if you want to go farther, go together. You know, this is really is about AI being a, a team sport. And I think the other one is, it, it's it's a, AI is a journey. It's not a destination. We're seeing AI techniques and technologies play an increasing role in a in a more diverse set of use cases. And I definitely see organizations that I'm working with, once they start understanding how to bring AI into some of their existing data pipelines or their existing business processes, they understand how this technology really can transform the way that they're operating, give them real different differentiated business advantage and as a result start to just execute against more and more use cases and i think we've, we've talked quite a lot about the challenges of which you know let's be open there are some this is you know it's not a silver bullet um, I, th- I think as, as howard mentioned there are some challenges but also why don't we talk a little bit about the best practices you know some of the things that organizations can take away from the stuff that we're talking about now to really help them get started on the journey to, uh, uh, probably starting with with you ian i mean what technology challenges do you see i think we've talked about that are there any best practices that you'd recommend to organizations to really accelerate them on getting going on the journey Sure. So I think some of the easier to understand use cases are based around video or images. You know, where you take a large number of images or sample video and you use that to train a model, right? So you think of the example that's often given of um, building a model with lots of pictures of cats and dogs, and it will be able to quite quickly tell the difference between a cat and a dog, but it wouldn't be able to tell you what an object is that it hasn't been trained on. So again, it's having that data if you've got the historical data and those images, for example, it's easier to start with that sort of project. So once we've trained that model, we use it for inference by showing it the different images and letting it report what it sees with its level of accuracy, um, how close it thinks it is to the model. Um, in the first instance, it's better to pick use cases that are, that are proven 
Um, there may be off-the-shelf solutions that can be used or tuned for that task. And what we're really doing here is automating a task, you know, that a known problem that's currently taking too long, or as Howard said, you know, is, is prone to human error. So quality control is that really useful place to start, I think, as, as, a, as a best practice example. Um, you know, looking at the quality of a component, shut lines on a car, paint finish, anything that we could look at patterns and report on the quality. So it's, it's, and I think for those as a first project as well, that's good because it can be standalone. You don't need to integrate it into existing processes. So it can be done as a standalone project. Um, and I think an example of that that we've taken to a bit of an extreme is with Seagate. Um, so Seagate capture thousands of images per day that are analyzed in real time. So these are looking for small errors at each stage of the manufacturing process of a silicon wafer. And they're generating about five terabytes a day of images. So the model there is used in real time to inform a line manager or machine operator to take corrective actions before these small errors would risk a component that fails later in the process. All right, so you, you can see there the risk of, of uh, lost production through, you know, you can have a situation where each stage in that process passes its tolerance, but as a combination at the end, you've got a product that isn't good enough quality. Um, and, and taking that to, to um, the next stage would be, how do I actually feed that back into an autonomous production system where it self-tunes itself, right? So the, as that first stage, almost having a an automated quality control system that someone then looks at and takes an action, once we trust that system, building that into an automated self-tuning process. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Ian. So I think we've talked about some of the technology, more technology view. Um, obviously staying with our theme. Dave, I don't know if you want to talk about any sort of delivery challenges that you see in the space. If you think about infrastructure, for instance, there's, there's several ways you can approach your, your infrastructure challenges. You can potentially upgrade your data center or you can go pure cloud, but there's, there's also some really enticing cloud services what can be delivered on premise now, which people don't always know about um, and as I spoke about earlier getting your governance model right it's a really fine balance so that's quite important and maybe the most important of all of them is always tackle a business problem you've got to use the technology to deliver a business outcome so just like any project you need to make sure there's a business case there's an ROI and you've got something to go back to the business with that's shown that applying this kind of technology has made a difference and given some kind of competitive advantage or some something to the business that they didn't have before and lastly choose the most appropriate tool for the job um, there's lots of different options out there now on AI so do your research and find out which one suits you best and obviously use partners and third parties where you need that assistance to to do the due diligence on that yeah fantastic thanks Dave so lastly last 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 thoughts Howard on your view around some of the best practices from a business perspective yeah uh, well businesses and let's be clear it can equally be public sector organizations as well need to be realistic about what can be achieved here you know we've always found that the best thing is to look for problems uh, not by a platform and then go looking for problems find the problems first and then align the appropriate tools and that brings in other issues uh, the skills gap issue as you know you guys have mentioned earlier again 
may mean that outsourcing is the best bet for this or insourcing talent, even for large organizations. But because there's already, there are already so many specializations in the AI field, you know, that may be the appropriate route. And also use resources like, like ours at DTP and, and, and yours at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, where you can get uh, expert advice, you know, on tap. Basically, we've been there, done it, and got the T-shirt. Or access specialists in the field that you don't have to employ outright. You know, there are, there's a massive contractor base out there that can be leveraged as well. We all have together a huge experience of making our projects successful. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think lots of organisations that I'm working with have, have had historic challenges around engaging with AI, which is why they've engaged organisations like DTP to help them overcome the pitfalls. You either find them out for yourself or you engage with an organization who's already done it historically. And as with multiple engagements under our belts, you know, we can definitely accelerate when it comes to going on the AI journey. And AI, it's a team sport. It's all about building an ecosystem around the business problem that you're trying to address, bringing in the right skills, capability that's going to make that an easily achievable task. So, Thank you for your contribution, guys. Really, really appreciate that. And to all of our listeners, uh, make sure to grab the next episode where we're talking about some practical applications of AI, some real-world use cases, and give you visibility of some of the things that we across DTP and HPE and our partner base, how we're really bringing this type of technology in to differentiate organizations and enable them to work in this new normal environment in which we reside. So if you are interested, please come along and visit us at uh, dtpgroup.co.uk or hpe.com. So until next time, Keep it simple.